Hello and welcome to the April Flow podcast. Hi, Andy. Hi, Ian. How you right? doing? You all right? I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah. We missed you last month. We had Carl with us, uh, but uh, you were not in the country. You were over in South Africa with our team over there, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So poor me. I have to go to Cape Town twice a year. Suffering for the gospel. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, it's beautiful what God's doing out there as well. Yeah, so it'd be great to hear kind of a bit of an update. Obviously, we talked about um, the workout in South Africa a few times on the podcast, but things just keep growing over there, don't they? Definitely. I mean, lots of people know because you've been praying that um, Tim Tucker, who's our amazing South Africa director, his wife died in August and there's a whole bunch of other stuff happened about the same time for the guys in South Africa. And uh, and yet, you know, it's quite amazing that even through all that trial and all the difficulty and all the challenges, the works can continue to grow. We seem to have more stories of transformed lives than ever. And the team have really stepped up. And Tim's back at work, which is brilliant. And he's doing a great job. So you're so encouraged, you know, because, you know, I went over there thinking, oh, I hope everything's going to be all right. And it's better than all right. It's amazing. And I don't think we've ever had so many gangsters coming to Christ and not just making a commitment in prison, but coming out and hitting the ground running, working in our businesses, involved in evangelism and leadership. It's a, it really is a beautiful thing. And uh, we got um, Prado last time. We got to see up on the screen the uh, the picture of the Mess Cafe yeah. um, in South Africa. So we have one over there. Obviously, we've got one in our next door to our HQ and our MEC uh, here, but they've got one over there as well, now, haven't yes, they? Yes, and I visited the Mess Cafe a couple of times. In fact, I had a, a meeting there. One of the things that they're replicating and, and contextualizing, I guess, lots of the things we're doing here in Manchester. So businesses, definitely. So there's a brand new Mess Cafe. And there's a whole fleet of ice cream bicycles. Wow. So which are fantastic. So these guys, well, five at the moment we've got with a vision for many, many more. These are these really literally cool bicycles with a little motor that keeps it cool where these ex-offenders can cycle around Cape Town. And of course, it works in Cape Town. Perhaps it won't be so great in Manchester, but no. it works out there. And uh, But also, while I was at the Mess Cafe, we had our first advanced meeting, which is training evangelists and opened it up to fiery evangelists who want to be trained and coached and multiply and 55 guys and girls came up and it was really really special so yeah so many encouragements love preaching it you know some large churches over there uh just out in the prisons i even i, I think on a previous flow podcast from my last visit i mentioned going out to this little guest house on my first day i'd flown in last october on the saturday night preached sunday morning i went just booked something on booking.com this guest house in a place called Franchute in the wine country and I uh, went to this this guest house and on the desk was a, a young black guy and he said oh you look like a guy I listen to on the internet and I said what do you mean he said oh there's a guy called Andy Hawthorne you look just like him from Manchester I said that's me he said no way he said because I listen to all your talks and stuff and I've been helped massively by the message in prison and helped me get this job and anyway this young man Mandler's just amazing and we made a little video with him while we were out there because he's doing a theology degree he's doing all this ministry with police and he's holding down a job and living a great life and and while I was there Mandler said oh let me introduce you to Johnny and Johnny also long long stretch in prison came to Christ discipled by the message team on our entrepreneurship program and I mean I just had such a great day with these two lads and the thing I loved about Johnny Mandler is like all I want to do is ministry I know I'm called to full-time ministry and preparing for ministry and Johnny was slightly embarrassed well 
actually, I don't want to do full-time ministry. I want to do full-time business. I want to provide loads of jobs for, for ex-offenders like me, and I, I want to pour money into the kingdom. I thought, mate, that's just as significant as what Mandler's saying. You know, we need the, the whole thing going on, don't we? So such a special time, yeah. And we're we're working in prisons out there in the same way that we do here in the UK, don't we? And we mm. work in low, meeting people, running programs in prison, um, anti-gang anti -gang kind of uh, seminars and stuff in prison, all that kind of stuff. We doing all yeah. that, I mean, it, it is, I would say their prisons work is even further on than ours. They've mm. really developed some fantastic programs. Uh, they have an, we have a, a, a cell. So in a cell in, in, in Cape Town, there's 30 people. And so we bring all the young entrepreneurs together, train them, coach them, help them to put the business plans together so it's virtually impossible for an ex-gangster to get a job so helping them settle businesses but there's like 29 lads in this cell I think and 27 of them have now made a commitment to Christ and there's all commentaries and Bible teaching and, and the you know the dirty posters have come down replaced by Hillsong posters and all it's just really really cool what's happening and so absolutely inspirational and I also even got to speak to all the staff one morning, uh, they invited me to to preach to all the governors and the staff and the leadership of the prison. And uh, and they said, you know, just do whatever you want. And the chaplain said, just preach. And if you want to invite a response. So, you know, right. two of the staff gave their life to Christ that morning, which was just a beautiful thing, followed by loads of the ex-offenders. You don't go to do that in Manchester very often. Not exactly. <laughs> not exactly. But what a precious thing. Yeah. Who knows the fruit of that in years to come? So really, really exciting. And... Um, yeah, just what I needed, to be honest. And you had Vision Night when you were out there as well, didn't you? Yeah, which was our best one yet. I think about 400 people gathered. And uh, and on the Monday, I was in Drakenstein Prison, which is where most of... We work in Polesmore as well, but the main work is in this Drakenstein Prison, which is where Nelson Mandela came out of. The big statue of him as you walk out of the prison. And uh, But on the Monday, and all the lads were gutted, you know, because last year they'd been allowed out with you know a whole bunch of staff to come to the vision night and uh, and they were all devastated that this year the authorities had said no and they were saying to us we're going to keep on praying that god allow god makes a way and i was a bit like oh lads you know they've said no so i think it might be a no yeah. anyway vision night started at half six half four they all turned up wow and we don't you know the complete u-turn and they hadn't broken out had no they? <laughs> they hadn't broken out they were with the staff and but there'd been a complete u-turn and you know we really felt as the lord and it was so encouraging for them oh that's great see, and they saw so the whole bunch of their mates who'd been in the cell with them who are now released were giving the testimonies and are now leading these businesses and the whole thing and a couple of girls naomi and christina who've gone out we've sent out from manchester are really helping them step up the school's work i think that's the the sort of real growth area. We've, we we formed a band here called Kinetic IV that we sent out. So they're in like 50-odd schools and and really, you know, looking to step up. I mean, we, we will at some stage do Higher Cape Town, which will mm. and we'll ship everybody out there and try and, you know, really do something significant in Cape Town. So And that was great, wasn't it? Because there's some, you know, guys from South Africa, this, these guys, Kinetic IV, they uh, got sent over to Manchester. We trained them for six, seven months, didn't we? And then sent yeah. them back out there with recordings and, and ready to go, really. I think that's... Uh, that's something that we're likely to do in other places, both around the UK and around the world as well, as yeah. we as we try and do more schools work, isn't it? Yeah, and Kinetic IV, I mean, I didn't even realise this, but they're on mainstream TV, like on the, you know, on on our, our BBC and ITV, and they'd just done a gig headlining last weekend in 20,000 people in a football stadium, and they're really getting, you know, 
some significant opportunity and profile as well as plowing themselves into doing lots of schools work so yeah, we're really excited for them. That's great. Yeah, it is good. And you came straight back and uh, headed off to uh, Spring Harvest for, for, well, a week and a bit, really, didn't you? Because you did both both weeks whilst yeah. there. And uh, I know that's always a good experience, meeting people and preaching and stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a good experience once you get there. Getting to Minehead is ridiculous. Though. You had a bit of tra- car trouble, get, <laughs> yeah. well, not traffic trouble getting yeah, there, didn't so, you? Yeah, so, yeah. Sat on the M6 for three hours one time. So, it, you know, it was like, and I, I, so two trips down to Minehead. So, but I did the first week, did a whole bunch of seminars and meetings and, privilege of preaching in the main celebration and then came back was doing some preaching other week and then went back down there last week but it's it feels like you know spring harvest feels really on the up actually well it is on the up it's on the up in terms of numbers but a new leadership team vision great people and so we're excited to partner on that definitely and um it's just great when you go to these things to meet people whose lives have been changed through the message over the years and well, it's Jesus who does it not, but, you know, we're partnering with him. Yeah. And uh, in fact, this morning, you know, I was reading Ian in Mark chapter four, and it really struck me, actually, that this partnership, you know, I say, yes, it is the message, actually. It's Jesus who does it. And Jesus talks about you go out to sow, the farmer goes out to sow, and all by itself, there's this growth. And then the harvest has to come. He talks about this in Mark 4. Yeah. And it just struck me what, what a picture of what we're meant to do. The bit actually that only we can do. Only we can actually choose to sow the gospel. That's right. And only we can choose to harvest it, to call people to bow the knee and give their life to Christ. But the key bit is the bit that Jesus does, causing people's faith to rise up and a hunger and people to the eternity he's placed in them all. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful picture of we sow like mad. Mm. Jesus gives people this desire and then we harvest it and we say there's another one for you jesus yeah and we get the privilege of seeing the fruit of that all the time don't we we in people i mean uh, i know you you were saying on a tuesday morning in prayers you you, your phone kind of lights up every weekend every time you go off somewhere Uh, everything our our speakers are off places preaching the gospel and you're getting testimonies through again and again and again and uh, i know we had one on sunday as well people getting baptized in one of our eating communities and it's just constant isn't it there is there is fruit on a daily basis isn't there it does feel like i even think this year yeah. You because know, we've been like, we so want disciples, Jesus. In fact, I feel like the only thing he's counting is disciples. We might count budgets and members of staff and whatever. Even we might count hands in the air or people in a response room. But what we long for is disciples. But it feels like we've got more than ever. I, I, even I was, so I was at my home church preaching and... Um, at the end of the service, there's a girl, you know, leading light in our church. In fact, married to the guy who was our first ever um, sort of techie salman uh, married to Mark, who you know. Yeah. And Gemma said, uh, oh, thanks so much, Andy, because, um, you know, you, you know, I became a Christian when the Worldwide Message Tribe went into my school. And I was like, actually, no, Gemma, I didn't know that one, no. And just how cool is that? Yeah. There's these people, and Gemma's like a friend. Yeah. And like, you would see, go to church and just hadn't clocked so that it was like 20 years ago. And then and uh, a few hours later, I was with this couple who said, we met at Planet Life and fell in love and <laughs> got married. And then we fell away from Jesus and we were going to get divorced and we had the date and everything. And, and we came along to Alpha at your house and fell back in love with Jesus and as a result fell back in love with each other. Wow. And uh, aren't they brilliant stories? Yeah. Just, you know, it's the stuff that only Jesus can do. Yeah. 
but we get the privilege to partner with him on it. I know you were saying that uh, over the weekend you had uh, some texts come through from Mo Timbo up in up in Hull about the stuff that he's been involved in. And yeah. again, for those of you who maybe don't know, Mo is a guy that became a Christian just before he went into prison and our guys met him in prison. And and uh, just his, his life from then on has just been amazing, isn't it, what he's doing now? Yeah, yeah, he was a very, very bad man, you know. Um, brought up as a Muslim, rebelled massively and uh, became a knife criminal, a drug dealer, you know, heavy-duty London gangster, basically, and then radically converted just before he came in prison. And now guys, who is this guy who's, like, just come into the prison? And while, he's tight, while he was in prison, he led 600 people to Jesus. Yeah. He's gone off to Hull planting this church. But we, me and Michelle, Michelle, my wife, were sat in bed on Sunday morning and two videos pinged up one after another. One was from Mo, of him on the streets with all these cool dudes. And they were preaching and this girl was giving a testimony like out on the streets. And uh, she was saying about a year ago, she was actually suicidal. Then she came across Mo and the church and gave her life to Jesus. And there was a guy just listening and he came up to her and said, look, I was suicidal. I am, I just feel like I want to kill myself. And and on the street there in the hole, they led this guy to Jesus. You think, wow, that's so cool. And then, uh, and then seconds later, this email came in, this video from Canada. What the work guys are doing there on the strip in Canada, like a heroin addict who was like two weeks off heroin. I don't know what's happened, but I'm a new man and I never thought I'd be able to do this. And it's all thanks to this guy, Dave. And, and he was like, and he says, I've met Jesus, this kind of higher power thing. Like It's like, just not like so kind of, but it was the Lord. Yeah. And you're thinking, I love this. I love that this all over the world. And yeah. we're seeing... This movement thing, really, you know. So, and, and Dave's the, this uh, this Eden team leader that we've got in uh, a place called Wally, um, just outside Vancouver. Well, it's one of the suburbs of Vancouver. It's yeah. one of the poorest, poorest yeah. areas of Vancouver. And Dave's just doing amazing work there, isn't he? Yes, he is. And uh, well, we've had the we've had the story come through from Wally, the strip. And Vancouver's a funny place because it's a shiny modern city that's what you'd imagine and it is beautiful buildings and great businesses but then there's pockets of real deprivation where there'll be a half a mile where the whole pavement is just full of tents prostitutes addicts broken people homeless people and then um, and that's where the eden team lives and that's what wally's like large parts of wally and they went out on the strip about a month ago now and we're all, they meet to pray before they go out giving out food and they do a little service on the strip there and starting to build church. And a guy died in front of him, heroin addict died and uh, had an overdose. And so they phoned the ambulance and the ambulance paramedics came and spent ages trying to resuscitate this guy, but gave up and said, no, he's died. You're going to, you know, and so they started to, and the guys had been obviously praying over this guy. And they felt, we want to continue praying. So they continued praying, apparently, Dave told us, for 25 minutes. Whilst this guy went waxy and cold and and grey and just dead. And then after 25 minutes, he coughed and sat up. All the colour came back and uh, he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. Now you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, and two of the paramedics have had to have counselling because they just couldn't cope with what they saw. Yeah. You know, the Lord just did this extraordinary miracle. And this is not Rhino Bonke or Heidi Baker. This is my mate Dave yeah. and Shana and Chris. You know, it was like we were there on the strip. So yeah. really, I mean, and I think God did it just to say things are stepping up. You get ready to see some things that only I could do. 
Yeah, it's but incredible, isn't it? what I also felt I love about that story is, you know, you can sort of get focused and obsessed. Wow, God brought someone back from the dead. The key thing is not actually that he's brought back from the dead. That's a wonderful miracle. The key miracle is that he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. You know, that's the big miracle we want to be obsessed with. And we've got, um, we're, you're talking about Eden now. Obviously, that's one of our Eden teams in Canada. We've got all our Eden teams coming together um, in a month, haven't we, at our proximity conference, which is always an amazing time, isn't it, of yeah. uh, getting our teams together. So just for maybe people who don't really know all about Eden, just, you know, obviously Eden's been going, it's our 20th year this year, yeah. isn't it? You know, for those people who don't know, what what is Eden? What's it, what's it about? Why is it different from just being, you know, part of a local church? Well, Eden is basically people who've made this sacrificial, massively downwardly mobile call to live in our most deprived communities. Started here in Manchester, in Withenshaw, and we've launched over 50 teams and over 500 people have made this massive step to live, not for a summer out or a year out, but long-term, build their lives. And everywhere... Pretty much Eden teams have been planted. We can see crime come down and communities transform and church grow because we want both. You know, we don't just want church to grow, but we also don't just want to see crime come down. We want both together. So, yeah, that's that's Eden and it's a precious, precious thing. And, and um, you know, I'm amazed what a great job Sam Ward's doing, who's headed up Eden for the last few years. You know, he was one of the first Eden workers moved into Openshaw. And we had a record year last year and we're confident you know, in terms of number of people yeah. who moved in, every three days, somebody makes this massive life step. Yeah, we were letting people in. know on the podcast last month that we had our 500th yes, worker move in right. and we've launched our 50th team this yeah. year as well, haven't and, we? And they keep, we're now on 52 or something because yeah. they keep being rolled out. That's right. Um, every month we're doing a, a new team. So yeah, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And I'm in London tomorrow night, pulling it out there. We want to launch more teams. Would you give to see, you know, there's these three teams we want to do in London and, across the country where and now South Africa, Canada, who knows where else, God will lead us to see these Eden teams. And South Africa's Eden teams are like a couple of them are in proper townships. Nyanga's one of them, which is the gun murder capital of South Africa. And there's people who've chosen to live there and deliberately shine for Jesus, which is an amazing thing. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And we've also got other opportunities for people to be involved as well. We had um, uh, some of our academy students on our Last Flow podcast talking about their experiences. Um, applications are still open, aren't they, for, for this coming September? Big time, yeah. We yeah, one, It feels like one of the most significant things we do, you know, gathering 20 or so young people for a year, really immersing them in the message vision and values and and the, around half those young men and women stay with us on the staff and over 80% are involved in Christian ministry of some sort and even the ones who aren't involved in Christian ministry involved in Christian ministry if you know what I mean yeah, they go into the business world they go to uni or they just, and they're on fire for Christ so yeah. it's a really precious thing yeah Message Academy if you know of anybody 18 to 25 who's got a heart for mission wants to be thrust and accelerated in that so it's Bible teaching prayer ministry but also the distinctive is you spend a lot of time at it in the prisons in the schools with the homeless and and then the last term which is now just starting the whole thing is all about mission they're yeah. off in teams all over the uk sent out from here and we'll hear the stories and you know we say this but it will be hundreds of people coming to christ 
Oh yeah, they're probably yeah. more in there. Yeah, it's normally, I mean, yeah. we it's they're about to fly out to South Africa, South Africa today, I think the team aren't they? Yeah. Or tomorrow, so there's a whole bunch of them going out there, and then they're doing mission from now right through to June time. Yeah. So, so it's a brilliant thing, yeah. Fantastic. Um, we've also got our message conference uh, coming up at the end of the year. So yeah. those people who may be listening to the podcast for a while or listen to our other podcasts uh, or get Flow Magazine are interested, it's going to be a great time to get together and find out more about what the message is involved in. But just have opportunity to hear testimonies and worship together and be envisioned and hear about Eden and um, all these other things that we're involved in. It's going to be an amazing time, isn't it, in November? Yeah. 25 years, it feels like we needed to have some kind of a major celebration. So we've stepped out, booked the Victoria Warehouse for these two days, hoping to get hundreds, thousands of people along. We've booked our two uh, favourite speakers in the world, probably. Lewis Palau, who's like this legendary evangelist who's, you know, he has led millions to Christ face to face. Daniel Strickland's literally best speaker you'll ever hear anywhere. So Salvation Army officer, but the coolest one you can imagine. Yeah. And um, so those two guys are coming to share with us, myself and Carl Beach and others from the message. And it's kind of what are the lessons we've learned? You know, what are the lessons we've learned about word and deed mission? What are the lessons we've learned about faith and making the poor and the lost a priority? But let's celebrate. Let's have a party and a knees up and, you know, look forward to some vision. But let's be these mates on a mission. You know, I hope it's going to be unlike, you know, other Christian conferences, their ace, but we've got this unique, distinctive evangelist thing going on. Well, let's, you know, let's motivate and mobilise people to win a lot more people. That's the plan. Yeah, fantastic. So you can get uh, much more information about that on the website, uh, message.org.uk slash conference. And I thought it'd be good fun. So Danielle came and spent some time with us um, in uh, May of 2015 and did our launch event for Hire. And I thought it'd be really good to kind of hear a decent chunk of that talk as a, uh, to kind of get you in the mood for the, uh, mm. the uh, message conference coming on up later in the year. So have a listen to this. This is Danielle Strickland. Turn to somebody beside you and say, wake up. Now then turn to someone on the other side of you and say, I mean, wake up. I think you need to turn to someone in front of you and just shake them on the shoulder and say, I really mean, wake up. <laughs> Listen, I, I kid you not, clear as a bell, I heard the word of the Lord tonight. I really did. During that prayer meeting we had before this meeting, the Lord spoke to me from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, which is, of course, Paul speaking and quoting uh, even older description than that. It said this, wake up. O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is a beautiful thing. And I just went through all of these images in my mind, just like flashing through my mind. The first image really of me waking up for the very first time. I remember being in, in jail. I was in prison because I was a car thief and a drug addict. And I was like just messing up my life. And I really literally was like dead inside. And uh, I was in a, a prison cell and the Salvation Army lady came to visit me, you know, not, not giving up, not willing to actually let me go gently into that deep night, you know, and she came into that prison cell and she just wrapped her arms around me and she's whispered in my ear, she said, I love you. You know, I was so dead on the inside and so asleep to real life that I didn't even hug her back. As a matter of fact, when she left my cell, I remember shouting out after her, you didn't even bring me a smoke, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> How's that for thanks, you know? And when she left, um, all of a sudden, just the, I was alone in that cell, which is really unusual, is under the city hall in Toronto. I remember a holding cell. And uh, Jesus showed up in that jail cell. I don't, I don't know what. I cannot even really explain it to you for the, to this day. But Jesus showed up. He did the exact same thing she did. He, he showed up and he just put his arms around me and he whispered in my ear, I love you. And listen, I'm telling you, this is exactly how I describe it. I said, I don't know exactly what happened. Did I, I felt him. I experienced him. I saw him. And something changed on the inside of me. What happened was, I describe it like this. It's as though somebody turned on a light. And I woke up. It's as though somebody just turned on a light and I, and I woke up on the inside. Something woke up inside of me. As a matter of fact, I remember like coming to myself. I remember going, oh, blank. I won't do that because I've already sworn enough this weekend. But I was like, I was just went, oh, no, like I'm, I, I'm in jail. You know, it's just like a new revelation for me. You know, like what, what am I doing here? What's happening here? It was, a, it was an awakening because what God, what God wants to do, what he's always been doing, what he intends to do is to wake everybody up to the reality of where they're at and the reality of where they could be. He wants to wake everybody up on the inside to his presence, to his love. And love wakes people up. That was the first time I ever remember being woken up on the inside was by Jesus. And I woke up. Now, it was a long journey, detox and probation and getting out of jail and all sorts of things. A long, long journey. But Jesus had this plan for my life and this this opportunity for me to be part of something. I could not even ask or imagine or dream about what God had possible. And what God had planned. But wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. God, Christ will shine on you. There's a plan that God has. There's a purpose that God has us in this world for. He dreams for you. He dreams of you. He dreams of what you could be doing in the world. He dreams of a world waking up. He dreams of a generation waking up. He dreams of churches waking up. He dreams of whole nations awakening to his presence. This is, part, this is on his heart to do, and he's been waking people, and he wants to wake you up tonight. He wants to wake you up on the inside. He wants to wake you up so that you are fully alert to what it is that he's doing, so you're fully aware of what it is that he has for you, of how much he loves you, of what the plan is that he has for your life. Do you understand what I mean? Wake up. Wake up, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I remember I had this dream that forever changed my life. I I was in my first uh, ministry post uh, in Canada. I never really wanted to serve in a Western nation because one of the things I understood was just how hard it is to serve Jesus in wealth. You understand, it's so hard because wealth is so sleepy and so comfortable. It was just so hard. And I, so I always wanted to go somewhere else. And Jesus just was like, no, I'm calling you here. I'm calling you here. And, and I had this dream this one night. And uh, when, in this dream, what happened was I walked through this doorway. And the doorway was filled with these cobwebs. Uh, and I didn't see the spider web, you know. And I can't stand spiders. Like, if there's one thing I can't stand is spiders. <laughs> And I, I walked through, this is all a dream, I want everyone to take it easy, but uh, you walk through this doorway and there was this big, fat, hairy spider. I didn't see it either till after, but it bit me and I didn't even realize it. And when I walked into this doorway, I had been infected by this big, fat, hairy spider bite. And when I walked into this room, I got so tired. I just, I got exhausted. I literally, I went into the room, I was like, I'm so tired. And then, ta-da! miraculously what appeared in the room was this cot uh, where I could just lie down and I was like oh perfect I'm exhausted and I just laid down on this cot and when I laid down on the cot as soon as I laid down on the cot I my whole body became paralyzed 
I couldn't move at all, but I was still kind of awake inside, but everything was, was stuck and paralyzed. And then from out of each of the corners of the room, all four corners of the room, these thousands of tiny little spiders came out and devoured my entire body. <laughs> Maybe you just turn to the person beside you and say, are you awake now? <laughs> now I did what you would have done. I rebuked that dream and sent it right back to hell from where it came, right? I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist and I'm not sure it says this in the Bible, but one time I saw a movie and I know that you're not supposed to die in your dream. It's not good, right? So I was like, get it off me. And I was just like, I don't receive that dream. I'm like being hounded by hell, you know, clearly spiders come from the devil. And so I'm just like, you know, this isn't good. And I'm just, and so, and then I go to bed the next night and the dream comes back. And I can't sleep, I'm getting like irritated. And then, so then I just like resort to what every solid Christian does. I just put a Bible under my pillow. <laughs> I try that, you know, and I, I sleep that night, but I, I wake up again with this dream. This dream won't come off me. So then I, I resort to like craziness. Like I just, I phone everybody that I know who can pray really well. Anyone I can think of who can pray in tongues, you know, I call them up. I say, I'm being harassed by the devil. Like, I need some help. Like, I think, like, death is coming to get me. And I just, like, I want to be free. Like, will you, somebody please come pray? And so this group came and they prayed for me. And they're praying for me. And I'm just like, they're just like, we break off the spirit of death and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, yeah. And then one of the prayer people, she says, you know, actually, I just, I really feel like this dream's from God. I, I said, are you a beginner? Are you new at this? Because like, I'm not a rocket scientist or like a prayer specialist, but there are tiny spiders from hell consuming my entire body. <laughs> this is not from God, you know? She's like, well, in my humble opinion, I suggest we ask God. <laughs> I said, oh, for Pete's sake. So in my humble opinion, I said, okay, fine. I'll ask God just for you so I can prove you wrong, you know? So I asked God, we all, we're all in this prayer meeting. And I say, God, like, is, it, do you, is this dream from you? <laughs> Boom, God speaks to me. It sure is, he says. And he gives me this interpretation of the dream. He says, you've walked through this doorway and you've been infected. You've been bitten by this culture of sleepiness, of spiritual sleepiness of spiritual paralysis even, of like a death-like state. And if you give in to the spirit, God spoke to me. If you give in to the spirit, if you lie down, if you like give in to the spirit, what will happen is you will die, but you will not die some sort of glorious, amazing, heroic martyrdom death. You won't die for the gospel. You won't die for the lost. You won't die for anything meaningful. As a matter of fact, what you'll die of is meaningless things. You'll die of tiny little spider bites, one at a time, a death by a thousand paper cuts. You'll die for things that don't even matter. What size your house is, where you live, who likes you, who thinks you're cool? I mean, you're going to die for like what salary you're going to make. You're going to die for things that do not matter in light of eternity. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be consumed by a death of smallness. And I said, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die like that. I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to do that. What should I do? What do I do? Like, I said, wake me up. Like, wake me up. Don't let me do that. Don't let me waste my life on meaningless things. Don't let meaningless smallness, insignificance consume me. Don't let it happen. 
What do I do? Wake me up. Wake me up. And God showed me this vision right away. He just showed me. He reminded me of this thing that happened. I remember I was driving home from a night shift. I used to work at this woman's hostel, and I would drive home about 40 minutes on this highway, freezing cold Canada, freezing cold, like as cold as you can imagine, times by 10. <laughs> it's nuts over there. And I'm driving in this car, and I've been working all night. So what's happening is I'm falling asleep at the wheel. And you know what I do when I start falling asleep at the wheel? It's weird, but first I turn up the radio as loud as it'll go. Just like blast the radio, you know, and it's just like, and I'm like drumming on the thing. You know, that's why the music's so loud here, by the way. They're trying to wake you up. And it's like drumming on the thing. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, but I'm still like, I'm nodding off. I'm nodding off. So then I do like things that normal people don't do. I start pinching myself. Right? Like, I'm just like, oh, wake up, wake up, and pinching myself. And then I'm like, that's not working either. So then I just give myself a couple good slaps. Just like, wake up, wake up, Strickland. I'm talking to myself. Wake up, wake up. And then I do what nobody ever does. I mean, we will tell you, we will train you. If you ever move to Canada, we'll train you never to do this in, in, in winter. Minus 35 below, I wind down my window and I stick my head out. <laughs> My eyebrows are now frozen open, you know, like it's, it's, it's never going to be the same again for me. I, I found it hard to go to sleep like for days after that, but I'm that kind of frozen, you know, and I just was like, I'm awake. I'm awake. And God said ever so gently to me, he said, do that. I said, what? Do, do what exactly? He said, do that. Do whatever it takes. He said, do that, pinch yourself, smack yourself, turn up the music, set your alarm clock to pray, rage against the spirit of sleepiness that would cause you to die an insignificant death, rage against it, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you, begin to stir yourself up, begin to wake yourself up, begin to actually embrace some discomfort just so that you can stay awake, give until it hurts actually, just like pinching yourself when you're on the road and you want to stay awake. Witness to someone that makes you uncomfortable. Go ahead and do it. Just like smacking yourself so you'll stay awake. I mean, literally get out of bed early. That ought to do it. Why don't you go without some food? That might actually wake you up a little bit. I'll tell you right now, it'll wake up the bear in you and you'll wake up and be like, what's going on? And God's going to say, wake up. Oh, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If you can stir yourself awake, if you can wake up, oh, sleeper, and rise from the dead, you don't have to die an insignificant life. You don't have to say yes to the enemy about the end of the church. You don't have to come into agreement about a generation where it's, oh, so too hard and it's, oh, so too late. It is not. If you would wake up, if you would raise yourself up, if you would rise up from the dead, Christ would shine on you. And if Christ shines on you, you better believe that he will draw every one to himself and he can save to the uttermost it's not too late and it's not too hard
So uh, you can get the whole of that um, talk. I've, re- I've re-uploaded it on the podcast. So uh, the main message podcast. So if you just go onto iTunes, type in message podcast, yeah. you can listen to the whole thing. That really is special. something special, isn't it? Yeah, and spread the word about our podcast. It's all free. It's meant to be a gift to anybody who who wants to get some great teaching. And we do have, you know, the, some of the literally some of the top speakers in the world pass into our building and our events, and we put it all out there. Um, for free so it's there and I know you'll be encouraged so dive into our podcast 100% yeah it's always good isn't it so um, thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about um, Enable which is um, Mm. our ministry that we started um, uh, end of last year um, with John Williams and uh, just going to kick this off by having a little bit listen to his testimony basically I was born eight weeks premature and I was born with cerebral palsy I got told by the doctors I wouldn't walk, talk. I was taken care of by the state. And between the age of three and five, I had to have five operations. Took, took the first steps when I was about five and a half, and then I had to have intense speech and physiotherapy for, for about five, six years. Uh, the first time I noticed my disability really was when I went to high school. I felt like I was a bit of a target on the back. It was, it was quite intense with some of the stuff that was being called. I looked in the mirror, I had to ask myself the question, do you believe what people say about you? Do you believe what, the names you've been called? Or do you believe what God says about you? And I started to think differently, going, right, what, what, do, I, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I'd obviously I got told I wouldn't walk, I wouldn't talk, I wouldn't have any kind of normal thing. But what I started to dream, I wanted to be married, I wanted to have a career, I wanted kids. Having, having a disability like I've got, you kind of think people will look, will look at that and not at me as a person. And Stacey will obviously marry me because of my disability, she married me because of, because of me as a person. And I've been really fortunate and blessed to have two children, Samuel and Esther. When I got to my thirties, I started to think completely different, not of, oh, John's got a disability, but what can I do about, how can I impact other people with disabilities? And it got to the point where I actually was at a place where I think my disability was born to do for a reason and a purpose, so that, and that was to reach out to other people with, dis- with actual disabilities. My passion is, is reaching people seeing and unseen disabilities and let them know that they were born for a purpose and a reason. That's why I'm starting Enable. So Andy, what was the thing that really kind of inspired you to uh, to want to launch Enable? Well, I think it's actually Carl Beach's fault. <laughs> but I don't blame him for that because it's the Lord. Uh, John Williams, we regularly say at the message, you know, I don't want to be a bottleneck or Carl Beach or any of the leadership team. If you've got an idea that's going to 
win people for Jesus and bless the world. Just come and see us and we'll do everything we can to facilitate that. We wanted to be this, get this movement. And John Williams was on our fundraising team. Great lad, doing a really good job. But but as you've heard from the from the um, the tape there that do we have tapes nowadays? The well, recording. The recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's from uh, what John said, you know, overcomer beyond overcomer, just an amazing guy. Uh, and out of that experience, so often that's the way, isn't it? What the devil means for harm, God turns around for good. He's got this massive burden for people with seen and unseen disabilities and wants to work out ways through the local church to bless them, to reach out to them, to give them the hope that comes through the gospel. Because often people with disabilities can feel forgotten or rejected. or But actually, John Williams goes in with his story. And uh, when he saw saw Carl, came up with the name, came up with the idea, I want to do this thing. Carl said to me, you know what, Andy, I think this one might please the Lord. <laughs> in other words, get on with it. So we've gone out and John's done a good job fundraising more and more. He's spending more and more of his time and we're hoping to build a team and all sorts of resources to focus on, you know, helping people, encouraging people. And yet it is seen and unseen disabilities. And uh, what a precious thing. I mean, when John was um, sharing with us as a leadership team about it, one of the things uh, that some research had been de- been done, and mm. he he said that ninety percent of people with disabilities have never heard the gospel in a language they can understand, and it's just like that can't happen on no. a watch, can it? No, because people, you know, often they'll be in special schools and sort of institutions where maybe the church doesn't focus a lot of attention. Well, we are going to. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And we're also encouraging uh, churches as well, aren't we? Working with local churches yeah. about how they can make sure that the work that they do in their communities and their Sunday services and everything that they do yeah. is accessible to people yes. with disabilities as well. So that's yeah. that's part of it too, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Spring Harvest really are leading the charge in this, actually. I was really taken by how much effort they put in to be as inclusive as possible which is beautiful. Yeah, it's great. So as we bring this podcast to a close, we wanted to give you a quick update on how things are going with Hire. Uh, We have launch events coming up in the Midlands for Midlands Hire on the weekend of the 14th and 15th of May uh, in four locations across the West Midlands. And we'd really love you to be there. Um, you can find out loads more from the Hire website, which is hiretour.com. And Andy, Hire is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's challenging because it's large amounts of money and we're going into new areas so i partner with hundreds and hundreds of churches but it is so right and uh you know we're excited to think of the kids that are going to come to know jesus and and we're praying we're not backing down from this cultural change youth culture's thoroughly messed up so many kids have got so many things but actually are just like particularly social media and the way they use social media. And we need we need the Holy Spirit just to break out in our schools and communities and bring life and freedom. So instead of using that, that there's nothing wrong with social media. It's the way you use it. Imagine if kids were using it to share stories of life and hope and freedom and joy. That's what we want. Absolutely. And so we're going for it. Um, and higher Yorkshire's happening, higher Midlands, Higher, higher South Wales, we're looking at the northeast and Glasgow and we're hoping to partner with Light to do some significant stuff in London. Just keep going for five years and let's see what's happened and you never know. Maybe we'll see over 10% of the kids in our nation following Jesus and on fire for him. That's what we want. Absolutely. We don't want, 100, 10, we don't want 10%. That's the start. We want 100%. But we're going to, you know, we believe that 10% could actually change culture. So we're going for this 200,000, which is what we're praying for. 
join with us. If you've said, if you, I know you're going to say to me in a minute, what can we pray for? You always say on these <laughs> yeah. podcasts, pray for that. Yeah. Call out to God, 200,000 young people, new young people, totally on fire for Christ through higher. Yeah. Pray and pray and pray until we see it. Yeah. So what other things can people be praying for then, Andy? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a big one. But, you know, I often say it, uh, you know, we've got a great vision. We have got a great vision. I know it's from God. I know God's that's what we're trying to do with reaching the hardest to reach and trying to keep Jesus front and centre. It's him. But but we've got a great vision. We just need people and pounds. You know, pray for people, the workers for the harvest field, more Eden workers. And uh, if you could be at the answer to your prayer, get in touch with the office. We've got teams crying out for workers. Pray for academy guys to join us. Not the the right guys, 18 to 25-year-olds on fire for Jesus so we can train up. And pray for pounds. It costs millions of pounds to run this thing every year. And um, that comes through multiple thousands of people, not giving equal amounts, but equal sacrifice and equal heart and equal commitment. But there are all sorts of strategies, I believe, of the enemy, the devil, to stop finance flowing. So pray, God, let the finance flow into the message. And guess what? If you can be an answer to that prayer as well, we really, really want to hear from you because we can't grow the way we believe God's called us to without more people and more pounds. And regular gifts is a big thing for us, isn't mm. it? Even if you can just give five pounds a month, it makes yeah. a massive difference if yeah. we have lots of people doing that. And you can do that online. You can go to our website, message.org.uk and, and sign up a direct debit form on there so you don't have to fill in a, a, a piece of paper. You can do that directly on the website. So if you want to do that, then uh, that is always a massive blessing to us. Spot on. So um, it'd be good to just to kind of uh, let people know how they can kind of get in contact with us. So uh, as I say, go to message.org.uk. You can find out loads of information there. You can follow um, Andy on Twitter at Andy H Message. Uh, you can follow me at Ian Robottom. And uh, if you want to follow the main message Twitter account, it's at Message Trust. And uh, come and like us on Facebook as well. And we're always putting kind of stories and testimonies and stuff on Facebook as well, aren't we? It's not, you know, not just talking about events and the other things that we're doing, but we are really committed to sharing people's stories and sharing people's testimonies, aren't we? That's it. Absolutely. And you know, I know ministries say it all the time, but it is so true. We live or die by our partners. There is no message, trust if it's me and Ian shouting into microphones. It's an army of thousands and thousands of people just getting on with this job of making a difference for Jesus. That's great. And well, thanks for joining us again, Andy. And we'll see you soon. Nice one. Thanks very much.